And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100%. And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John all right, everyone, we are back. It is Josh the Punk Thompson sitting there with a white shirt on, actually looking very patriotic. I do not know why, but we'll find out. We are here for another edition of the Weighing In Podcast after coming back from all parts of the planet. We had some good fights that went on at Bellator. The PFL had their playoffs. We're going to talk about that. Joshua, you look to yes. be alive. How are you doing, my friend? Ah, you know, the traveling schedule gets us. You leave in a couple of days to Sioux Falls, but I get to stay home until we have our San Jose show. I think September 18th, that's going to be a stacked card as well. Phil Davis. And, and the return uh, of Yoel Romero. There you go. Not really the return, right? He's the return for him, but not in Bellator. This is his first major No, it's the first. You're right for that. I'm just first saying he hasn't fought in a while because he had a little yeah. medical problem and had take care of that it wasn't a medical problem it's a medical problem okay <laughs> i think people are inquiring minds want to know okay. was it a medical problem <laughs> oh geez yeah anyways all right well hey um first you guys first go to our youtube channel hit the subscribe yeah, button that. as well as hit the little bell off to the bottom right hand corner and there's a link down below to take you guys to our Clips channel. Make sure you guys hit that link. That will take you to our Clips channel. Hit the subscribe button there as well. It has been growing since we've been doing the intros here in the, in the beginning. And I know some of you guys That's why we're continuing those intros in the beginning. Yes, and you guys have been in the comment <laughs> section saying, stop saying your Clips channel so much. And guess what? No. Okay? <laughs> I will not. Uh, I love, hold, on, hold on. Hold on. you got to think about this. I yeah. love I love all our people that watch this. I love the people that give comments. Either way, it doesn't matter. But what does it take for you to actually think that you have the power by putting those couple little words in there? Don't talk about this. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to listen so, to you. I'm going to yes. listen to you. I'm there. I'm there for oh, we, you. We all know Josh does. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, we have certain things that we're just going to do. And Why? Because we can. Because that's what we do. That's what we do. That's it, man. Uh, so make sure you guys hit that little bell because some of you guys have been saying, hey, when you guys drop your show, like today, we're going to drop a, probably, you know, mid-morning here. And uh, it's going to be a little bit different time than we drop normally sometimes at 5 in the morning. So it is, it's actually 4.45 or 5 a.m. right now where I'm at. So I am up filming this show early so you guys can get it early. So just be appreciative. We hopefully you guys enjoy this show. It should be fun. Uh, we're going to talk uh, some PFL first, then some Bellator, and then we'll get into some news. And uh, we'll go from there, man. So hopefully you guys enjoy the show. But hit the subscribe buttons first on all of our audio platforms as well. All right. So PFL, John, what did you think? I thought there were some good performances from the PFL fighters. I thought, I thought uh, Brett Cooper had a great performance. I thought Gleason Tebow fought good. smart. Like yeah. Lucian T Bell fought smart. And um I thought Clay Collar got stuck in the ass. He got screwed. <laughs> and um, you know, and the main event is kind of what we thought possibly would happen. I thought it'd be a little bit different, but uh a little bit kind of what we thought possibly happened. Where do you want to start, buddy? Well, first off, I want to say congratulations to Brett Cooper coming off a little bit of a layoff, but he uh man, he's just a tough like I said, I love watching him because he's just tough as hell, comes to fight. Always puts on a good performance. And he had a great performance against Tyler Hill and gets the win. Way to go, man. You know, getting a little up there in age. He's getting close to me now. No, he's not. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> he's... <laughs> uh, don't 
don't do them like that, man. I know. That's, that was horrible. I, I apologize, Brett, man. Yeah. Jeez, but man. Doing good. I hope your family's good, man. Great performance. Way to go. I thought I thought he looked great, man. I thought he looked great. He was on top of it. He took a couple clean shots, but then was able yeah. to land a lot of his clean shots. He just looked really good. He was like in control of the fight, basically it looked like from the beginning to end. It was a short fight, but I mean, yeah. you know, I thought he fought I thought he fought a good fight, man. And it was yeah. like I said, I liked his person. He seems like he has a. I've, I've never met him personally, but he seems like he has one of those quirky kind of personalities. Have you talked to him and met him before? Oh God, all the time, man. I've, yeah, I've known Brett forever, and he's just a. He's one of those guys that you know most people would never know if they met him. They would never know he fights, yeah. and uh, he doesn't you know talk about that kind of stuff. But he's funny. He uh, he's always positive, and you know he in the beginning of his career, you know sometimes because he was younger. You know, the nerves and the, the, oh. the fear of failure and those things kind of made him not fight the way he could. Now, he just comes out and he fights, and it's like what happens happens, and it's he gets good performances off of it, and so it's fun to see, and I'm, and I'm very happy for him. So, Yeah, I can relate with the nerves as well because, like, well, of uh, course. Podcast Dave gets on my nerves, and I understand. <laughs> so, yeah, I get it. I get it. I understand, yeah. So it's yeah. one of those things. Um, I thought That's Gleason a different kind of nerve. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gleason Tebow fought a good fight, a smart fight. Um, I yeah, wish especially I coming him... off last second change of opponent. So yeah, exactly. And I want to see him do more of what he did. He came out dominant. So obviously, he's extremely strong. Came out, got the takedown, <laughs> takedown right to the submission. I was like, okay, this is this is the way you should fight. Why do you keep trying to stand with all these guys? I mean, he was supposed to fight what uh, Curtis Millender, right? Who's yep. tall, long, and lanky. See, I said it, guys, just for you guys because I know. But you guys so are. is Micah Terrell. Yeah, that's true as well. But the takedown seemed like it came easy, right to the right to the side choke, and then it was done. He seems so physically strong. I don't understand why he doesn't utilize his his grappling a little bit more. I know because he gets he tired. To, he used to when he he used to though when he was kind of first coming onto the scene. He was having a lot of success uh, when he was with the UFC, but then he got away from it for a while, where he's just trying to stand with everyone. And I don't wow, how that. rare! How rare a guy finds out that oh, I can touch someone on the chin and I knocked him out. I'm going to continue to do that. When it's not really your style of fighting and you go away from what brung you yeah. into something different, happens all the time. Yeah, I never had that problem, like knocking people out. So <laughs> it just wasn't, it wasn't in my, it wasn't in my game plan, so really. That's what I happens never... when, you, when you have small hands, it's hard to carry power. I know, I know. It's it's true. This is this must be true. I have really small hands, everyone. I so know you, you guys, do. It's crazy. If you guys, if you guys ever meet me outside of running up to me and say, hey, yo, tall, long, and lanky. And uh, come up to me and put your hands. Hey, let me yeah, see say, your hands. Let me put see your, your hands. hands to mine. You guys be like, what the? F-? So, yeah. Dude, you, you know who has the same size hands as you? Tisha your Tor. wife. Tisha Torres. <laughs> Tisha Torres. <laughs> <laughs> what an asshole. Uh, she can put her hand next to mine anytime she wants, though. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> um, all right. I guess for me, right, the fight of, on the card that I was really excited to see was the Clay Collard and Manfio fight. But the thing yeah. is, is. I lost a little, a little bit of love for it. I had Clay Collard winning the fight, and I think all the, uh, like, I think Kenny Florian did, Randy did, everybody else that was there that wasn't really officially a judge, they also had Clay winning. Uh, how'd you see it? I had Clay winning. And it, yeah, it was, I, Clay won the first round. There's no doubt he won the first round. Uh, the second round, I, I'll, I'll give it. Manfio was doing well. He was landing the cleaner shots, even though they were going back and forth, but Manfio was winning. And then there's like 45 seconds left in that round. And Clay turns it. He lands good shots, and it was the body shots, Josh. He yep. went to the body, and he started ripping him, and you could see it hurt Manfio, and it made Manfio actually go down to the ground, and that's when Clay 
turns this round around. Now, yeah, he goes for the submission and stuff, and that doesn't get real close. But still, it was the body shots that set all that up. That takes the round right there because nothing yeah. that Manfio did was as good throughout that round. It should have been Clay Collard's round. I do give Manfio the third round. I thought he won the third round with the better, cleaner strikes. But I thought Clay Collard got a little bit stuck. I thought he got ripped. Yeah, I think he. I felt like he did the same, very similar thing that he did with the um, Anthony Pettis fight. Yep. You know, he he, he dominated Anthony in the first round. First second good. round, started rip, sort of ripping the body in the second round. Then he kind of, kind of slowed down and got caught with the head kick right by Pettis. But in the in this fight, you know, he, it wasn't going his way in the third. And I agreed with you 100. percent I had him winning the first and the second. The second, I had actually I texted you and I said, "Was it enough? Did he win enough of the the second round to win the round?" Um, and I thought he did. I was like, cause that also yeah. too, that's the lasting impression in a judge's mind. Like you dominated the last minute of that, that second round and he dominated nice. You know, it was very, very evident that he dominated the, the second round towards the end. And that's kind of what you leaves in the judge's heads. And so I thought he did, but then I wanted to reach out to you cause you know, um, I, I know what I'm talking about. I just wanted to make sure you understood. <laughs> you, thank you. I appreciate you, yeah, but making sure that make sure. I was correct. Yeah, yeah, I just wanted to see, like, you know, yeah. sometimes you have to always look yeah. out for the older people, make sure they're yeah. falling along, I understand, you know? totally like, understand, yeah. Remember remember yeah. when, I, I don't know. Make sure they the take show. that right, the, the, the right fork in the road. Yeah, you remember those, uh, like, when they have cartoons for kids, like Sesame Street, and they have the little, the ball that used to bounce from one word to the next, so you could follow along yep. reading? Oh, That's yeah, kind of yeah. how I feel when I'm having to explain the fights to you. <laughs> <laughs> <So I can't. laughs> oh, man. All right. What goes so, on in your head is simply amazing. It is. It is because it the, the fact that there's any actual thought at all surprises the hell out of me. I wish and I could explain <laughs> to pe the common folk at home um, what really goes on in my head. It's, it's just too complex for them to understand. We know this already, okay? It's, yeah, John, you've hung around me quite a bit. You understand this. It's just too complex. When oh, you're as educated as as I am, it's hard for people to keep up. I understand that. So. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh Magomed, Magomed, Karamov. Magomed Karamov. Yeah, yeah, he's good. You know, we we he's need good. to talk about him, you know, in the last uh in the build up really. And it, and it's yeah. too bad because he's, he's twenty nine and five or now maybe yeah, somewhere around there. He is good. And yeah. you know, he's not dynamic in any fashion, but he's again he's he's part of you know the Dagestani fucking uh connection and he's just a He's got good stand up. His hands are good. He doesn't have good kicks, but his hands are good because he lands clean strikes and he throws at the right time. He's got good timing on when he throws. And then when he gets the fight to the ground, he's just utterly, you know, able to control guys. He does the same thing that, you know, most of the Dagestani fighters do. And uh, he's a really good fighter. He's just not that guy that people are going to look at and go, wow. Yeah. You know? He just doesn't have that flash. You know, and Sai, who is is a pretty flashy fighter, good fighter, good stand-up fighter. He just had no – he was holding back. And, and and this is the thing that cracks me up about guys that are stand-up fighters that kick. Look, if you're going to kick against someone that's a, a good grappler that wants to take you to the ground, stop trying to kick him to the body. Yeah. Okay? What are you thinking? Yeah. You're putting your foot right where their arms are so they can actually grab it. Okay, now not all the time, but if you want to go to that low calf kick, that's good because it's hard to reach at that. You want to bring it up high to the head, go ahead because they have to at least bring that hand up and it's only a timing issue that they're already kind of shooting when you threw the kick if they're going to take you down off of that. 
but stop going to the fucking body. Yeah. What the hell? Josh, tell them. Yeah, if you're going to go to the body, my my suggestion is the toe kick. So, like, you're going to do that little push yeah. kick slash toe kick. So, yeah, you lead front. in with just the your jab. foot. It's harder for them to grab it. That's about it, man. Once once you know that they're that they're they're working on the timing in terms of catching the kick. Also, if you're going to come up and you're going to catch kick more more with your shin to the body, that you're going to get it super easy for them to to just catch it and take you down. So, yeah, that that goes with fight IQ. Once you realize someone's just only trying to take you down, you've got to get away from that. And so, but I, other I was other weapons. I was really happy because I did. I I actually you know we talked about the Ray Cooper and we'll talk about that in a second. But you know. We actually thought Ray Cooper was going to win that fight, and I do want to see the rematch of Magomed Karamov against Ray Cooper. Yeah. Um, now that Ray That's... Cooper has had a little bit more time, he's a better fighter, and he's had the experience of going against Magomed. It should be a really interesting and good fight. It's one that I, I will definitely be watching. How did Ray lose the first time they fought? He just, you know, he he basically got taken down, couldn't get away from him most of the time, uh, and just, you know wrote out a decision victory against him, but yeah, he got it. But it was, I want to say three years ago. It, will that be a five-round fight because it is the finals? Yes. Oh, interesting, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, Ray, Ray Cooper's must-see TV, man. I just, yeah. I, I wish. I, I wish was a little surprised by the way he fought this fight, though. I was, I was extremely surprised, but it was smart. Yeah. yeah. Well, but it wasn't, hold on, and this is the thing, and you could see it in this, all right, now we're talking about Ray Cooper and Rory. Yes. Rory had yeah, made it. I'm glad you could keep up, John. Thank, Thank you very much. <laughs> Rory made a conscious decision, and it's it's clear. And this is what let's take a let's take a look at Rory's career, okay? Because Rory is a guy that very well rounded, but you know he was, I want to say, ten and zero when he went into the UFC and he fought Carlos Condit and he was beating Carlos Condit and then got finished in the third round with like 10 seconds left, the, the referee stopped the fight. And so that was his first loss. And then he went on a nice little tear again, and he was 18-2. and two. Mm-hmm. One loss to Robbie Lawler, one loss to Carlos Condit. Stephen Thompson. He, no, no. Stop. Did you not listening. Thompson? Okay, this is where you need to sit back and listen because see, I do know these things. Because okay, he does fight Stephen Thompson the, after he fought Ro- Ro- Robbie the second time. God damn it. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I was already thinking ahead because that's what my. Oh, is. is that what I'm, you're doing? I'm, I'm a forward but, thinker. Yeah. So, so, but you know, he's 18 and two <laughs> when he fights Robbie the second time in the fight God. that everyone remembers. Got it. Okay. And so, 18 and two at that time, and I, and now, at this point in his career, he's got a losing record from that point. Yeah. All right. And that's you know, even though he went to Bellator and he won the title. And then, you know, lost it. He, and he had some some big losses in Bellator. The gay guard Musasi, he got crushed. Oh. I mean, crushed. And if you watch what he decided to do in this fight with Ray, he wanted to take it to the ground. He didn't. He was, yeah. He made a conscious decision. I will not just stand up. And now you're taking a look at a guy that had a very long jab, pretty, you know, pretty good speed. Um, is very accurate when he throws. He's got good technique. He's got good footwork, but he, he made a conscious, I can't stand up and t- absorb what Ray Cooper can throw for very long, so I'm not going to even do that. And he was the one trying to initiate the takedowns, and then it was, dude, he was pulling guard. I know, I saw that. Okay, so when someone pulls guard, tell me what's going on. You know, I know. They, they just have, they have, no, they have no other way to get the fight to the ground. 
So they in their mind they're like shit. I can't afford. I can't afford to stay on my feet because I'm gonna get cannot knocked stay out. on I my just feet. Feel the power. I yeah. can't stay on my feet because I, I'm gonna get hurt by this guy. And the second now is I can't take him down in a way that I can get him down and be in the position I need to be. So I'm gonna make a decision. I'm just gonna pull guard, and that's what you saw. You know, Rory doing, and that that says a lot about where his mind is in the fight game and against someone like Ray Cooper now. And that's what we yeah. thought going in. You know, nothing against Rory. He's been a phenomenal fighter. But, you know, we say it all the time, the damage you take, you know, it travels with you. And it travels on your body and it travels in your mind. And there comes a point where you realize, I can't accept any much. I can't accept much more of this or I'm not going to be able to continue this. And that's what I, that's what I saw out of the fight for Rory. How should the PFL feel that they spent they spent a lot of money on like guys like Anthony Pettis, Roy McDonald, and all these other you know fighters that have been coming over? How should they feel that none of them are in the finals? Well, <laughs> okay, let's be honest. We know this based upon where we work. Rory was you know Bellator didn't even offer him anything as far as staying with Bellator. His contract was over, and they just let him go. True. Well, y- yes, yes, and no. They they okay. wanted they 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 asked for a decent amount of money, and then they didn't offer. They didn't they didn't come yeah. back. Okay, so and yeah, but, but there were reasons. But there are reasons behind it, and part of the yeah. reasons was, you know, the performances of Rory. They were looking at and going, he's just not quite the same fighter as you know what we yeah. expect him to be. He's not that guy on the mic that's going to really pump the numbers and and. Yeah. You know, people are going to fall in love with. And then there was things that he was saying, even, you know, when he was being interviewed at times, you went and you go, do you really want to fight anymore? Yeah. And, and those things you've got to look at. And as as the PFL, I understand what the PFL is looking at. They're saying, hey, man, this is a guy that's had incredible fights, and he has. And this is a guy that you're looking at and you go, he's still young. There's there's something there. He could be great for us, and people are going to you know want to see him fight. I can understand why they got him. Same thing with Anthony Pettis. I'm more, I was more surprised with the overall performances of Anthony Pettis than I was with the performances of, of Rory. Yeah, we, we knew what to expect because we had called Rory's most recent fights when he was yep. in Bellator. So we kind of knew where he was at. And, we, you, you know, didn't you? You were the ref in the cage for um, the second Rory fight, correct? With yeah. Robbie Lawler? Yep. Yeah, so that fight. You saw the amount of damage he took. You saw just the look on his face. You you were closer than the rest of us, yeah. And then the damage he took in the Douglas Lima fight, the first one. I mean, his shin was so big. It was so, uh, it it was huge, man. It was huge. And just in in this being being told that you know he basically, oh, uh, it tore the the <clears throat> the meat right off the bone. You know, it had swelled up so much that it was. He's gonna have damage for that leg to his leg for the rest of his life. You know, and so he's he's taken a lot of damage throughout his career. Yeah. I think the Carlos Conant fight was the one that, you know, he uh, he showed how much damage he can take. He's like just a yeah. walking zombie, and then went on to the Robbie Lawler fight that happened. And then he just seems like, you know, like you said, he had some comments also, you know, about he wasn't sure what he was doing in terms of didn't feel right still being a fighter, and you know, and his his Christian faith and things like that. So as a promotion, you got to start thinking. All right, I'm paying him a lot of money, and he's talking like this. Okay, he's already got one foot out the door, so that's yeah. that's an issue as well. Yeah, it is. He's got such you know? a beautiful family, man. He's got. Oh, he's you know, a great guy. 
Look at I, I I don't want to say anything bad about Rory because yeah, he's a great can, person. No, you know, I don't think anyone can. I think he's such he's, a nice person, man. He's a great guy, and he's been a great fighter. And I just don't want to see personally. I don't want to see Rory take damage when yeah. I'm not sure that he's a hundred percent in. And if yeah. you're, we always say, it, if you're not a hundred percent in, get out. Yep. And yep. and yep. this is. I think Rory's in a position he's like, I'm not sure what I can do to make the, the kind of money that I'm able to make fighting. And I think he's right there. I'm, you know, It's not going to be the same, but it doesn't have to be the same. You've made enough money, and you can make a lifestyle for your family that's comfortable by doing other things and being someone that is very successful in what you do because he will be because he's smart and he knows how to work hard. He's going to be a success. This is not what you in your heart knows is what you want to do stop doing it yep oh yeah all right well that kind of wraps up the uh pfl talk so let's get into bellator we'll talk about that as well look if you are a smoker i'm telling you right now fume f-u-m that is what you need to get to get off of that nasty habit of being a smoker and get yourself straight. I'm telling you right now, you don't even have to be a smoker, but if you are, their essential oils and their fume little, the kit that they have, you start using that as your inhaler. Instead of puffing on a cigarette, you are going to stop smoking. You're going to get healthier, and that's what we want to see out of you. Fume is a fantastic essential oil aroma that you breathe in. It does things like it makes you feel almost energetic. It gives you that really menthol-y taste at times with some of them. There's all kinds of different cores that you put in. Fume is a system that I've been using. I'm telling you right now, my dad was a smoker for years. He gave it up, but he's got this oral fixation thing going where, man, he went from cigarettes to chewing tobaccos, and then he went into toothpicks, and now he chews gum like crazy. Now he's on a fume, and he's not chewing gum the same way, and he actually likes it, likes the way that it always makes him feel like he has gum in his mouth and that he's got a good taste in his mouth, fume is the way to go. I love it. What do you think about it, Josh? You said exactly what I was going to say. It's a habit. Uh-oh. Smoking, vaping, chewing gum, all of those things are habits. So replace it with something that's a healthier version of that with essential oils that you breathe in. I use it basically not because I was a smoker ever or any of those things. No, me either. And I don't do really that. chew a whole lot of gum, which is probably why my breath is kicking, but like 16 ninjas. But the bottom line is, is people use it though to help get rid of their habits that they have. And then this thing right here with the, with fume, what it does is it allows you to replace those bad habits, whether it's vaping or smoking with essential oils that actually clear out your nasal cavity. Like for me, I have, like I've said before a hundred times, I've got cauliflower in one nostril and I've got a deviated septum in the other. So trying to breathe out of my nose is painful sometimes. <laughs> and so when I get onto the fume though, it actually clears me out. Like you said, that menthol kind of smell and feel almost like I feel like I just got out of a steam room. You know, when you get into those steam rooms, yeah. they have that the eucalyptus type feel and th- their, their chambers that they put in there, the little, um, cores, the, the cores. cores that they put in there, you put Lovely. them in, they have different, they have different, uh, tastes and smells to them as well. And they're essential oils. So no bodily harm to you. And they're actually a great thing to, to get into. And they've actually helped me with my breathing as well. So helps me sleep better. And I do a little bit in the morning when I first wake up, gets me invigorated because they actually have an invigoration one. And so that one gets me going, gets me pumping, ready for the day. I go for my run. And then I feel like I've opened up my chest as well. And then right before I go to bed so I can sleep without snoring and waking up everybody in the house, I do one night there. I know you snore loud, huh, John? That's why they call you Big John. Come on, baby. Cozy chai <laughs> yeah. for nighttime. 
So what you guys got to do is go to www.breathefume.com. Now, fume is F-U-M. There will be no E at the end of that. So it's www.breathefume.com slash Wayne in. Okay, and use that promo code Wayne in for 10% off. Check them out. They've got a bunch of different flavors. You can uh you can hit. They have got the uh what is it called? The lime cherry lime. That's a good one as well. And there's a couple there's another bubbly. one called bubbly lime. Sorry, invigorate. There's another one. That one's good. They've got a ton of other uh scents and, and and flavors as well. So it gets you off of that habit of being a smoker, as well as like whether it's tobacco or whether it's vaping, gets you off of that, replaces it with something more healthy for your body. Check it out. Do it now. Look, just a lot of fights falling off of that one, too. Oh, jeez. It was just ridiculous. <laughs> it was ridiculous. How did someone I mean, come we... in seven pounds overweight? Yeah, we had two I mean, fights. You should not even lost. step on the scale. You should just fucking say, you know what? I'm going to walk out with my head down before I do this. You should have known that you weren't going to make weight when you showed up. Crazy. You know, to the to the venue. Like, when you show up the week of the fight and you're, let's just say, you're way over what you normally are, you should know. I'm not going to make weight. Seven pounds is just ridiculous. Like, that lets you know that you didn't even try. Oh. <laughs> like, you didn't even try. Seven pounds. Jeez. Um, I thought, honestly, like, even though, you know, there were some fights on this card that I was like, oh, wow. The Glossner fight was freaking really good. Was, was good. really damn Sebastian good. Sebastian Ruiz like, was, he was yeah, tough as hell, man, and did a lot of good things. Yeah. But. It was Yeah, it wasn't it was enough. A, I, mean, I felt like Glossom was just, he was winning enough. Like, he was winning every exchange, and he was just slightly ahead in a lot of things. He had a great first round. I think it was the first round. He had a great first round. Second round, he came out, had another first round. But then, he what was funny is the first round and the second round, he ended both rounds on bottom. So, he was going so hard yeah. that he ended up gassing himself out. You know, yeah. his legs must have been shot, I think, after the first round where he, oh. he had the triangle for a good two and a half minutes and he couldn't finish it and he got on bottom the last 30 seconds, not even 30 seconds, maybe the last 12 seconds or something. He was on bottom getting punched in the head. But uh, he he had dominated the full round in the first round, though. But, yeah, I thought it was a really good fight. It actually lived up to be the, the potential of that fight. I was like, oh, okay, I can see it kind of be a scrap fight. But it was it was a great fight to watch, especially in the arena. People were going crazy because oh, of all the changing of positions. You know, and and uh, how Ruiz. tough Sebastian Ruiz was, and how he yeah. stayed out. You know, he was in submissions, but this is the difference of when and, and you know it's hard for people sometimes when they're not really into jujitsu and don't understand. They see the the submission and it's being called for by you know whoever's announcing and stuff, but there's little aspects to it and that you're trying to tell them this is why it's not working. And yeah. the fighter themselves, they don't they don't you know they're trying to squeeze hard and they're trying to do things and you're like you're not doing that right. Yeah. And Sebastian was able to to survive and a lot of those because Glossner was not putting himself in the right position, not putting the pressure in the right way, not dropping his hips down on some things that you go, you get, you're the one holding your weight up. Stop holding your own weight up. You want to sink your hips down, right? It's like, okay. Yeah, I, it, it was, was frustrating watching him try to finish that triangle in the first. Oh, my God. He kept God. letting his foot. He kept letting the back of his knee slide to, like, the yeah, middle of his foot. You can, you can see like, the space. Doing, There's man? a triangle, man. I'm like, what are you doing, man? Like, no. It's just so. Yeah, so we just, yeah, I, I get exactly what you're talking about. I'm like, grab your shin. Pull down on the yes. head. Do something that, you know, like, change it up. Obviously, what you're, the way you're doing it is not working. Flex <laughs> your toe up. You know, like all those things to keep that thing locked in. He kept grabbing his foot instead of grabbing his shin. Shin, I know. Never pulled down on the head. I'm like, bro, are you trying to fucking make this fight go longer? Which it did. It 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 all the way to the end. Yeah, it was a good fight. (laughs) But it was good. 
two and a half minutes into the first round, you thought for sure that Glossner was going to get him out of there. But then yeah. little did we know we went a full, you know, 15 minutes. But it was a fun. Fight, man. Yeah. It was. yeah. Um, Give them okay, both so credit. Ty Gorder, both Ty Gorder coming up with a loss. Um, I had I had a now if you guys want to go back and watch this fight. So Bastayev wins the fight. Ty Gorder has a good first round, kind of starts slowing down in the second, but he's still, I think he won the round. So I had Gorder winning rounds one and two. If you go back and watch the fight, Bastayev, he wins the third round. Clearly he wins the third round. Oh, yeah. He easy. drops Gorder though, and he almost drops him again, all in like one big exchange. And so I had it a draw. Just to be honest, I had it 28-28, I think is what it would have been, right, John? Yeah, 28-28. Because yep. I had I had a 10-8 round for Bastayev, and I had the first two rounds going to Gorder. So it would have been a draw. I don't I didn't see any way that Bastayev could have won that fight, but apparently the judges did not agree with me. No, they didn't. But uh I agree but with you. But thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> but I, I, it could have either been the draw like you had it, or it could have been Gorder winning it 29-28 based upon in the third round. Yep. Bastayev did great and hurt Gorder, dropped him down with a shot. Then as he's getting up, kicks him to the face. Now, it didn't land that hard, but it still knocked him back up against the cage and kind of down again. Mm -hmm. But it was that Gorder was able to at least, and he, and he got cut off of it but because he ate a knee. Gorder was able to change the position at the end of the round and actually be the guy. He was on top. He was doing, he was landing good shots, even though, because they both were tired at that point. And so mm -hmm. I thought that was what kind of, if you want to say, okay, it turned it from a 10-8 back to a 10-9. Mm -hmm. Could have been Gorder, but I would have been really, I would have been happy with a uh, a draw. I thought that was what was deserved by both, but you're right. The judges didn't see it that way. Yeah, I want to, I want to, point something out real quick because i know that rafian stotts is probably listening to this because he's always giving me a hard time about what i say on this podcast about him so i know <laughs> that he's listening to if this, he's listening rafian you were awesome let's talk baby well let's let, let me first rafian this and is i love the, the type fact of, you're giving josh a hard time yes but this <laughs> is the type of fight that i'm talking about when you keep fighters in a fight yeah. and uh because i had said this before about some of his past fights when you allow a fighter whether you're dominating them or not or you allow them to stick around it only takes a moment like this for you to lose the round and then lose the potential to lose the fight, like how Gorder found out. I had it being a draw, but when you let fighters stick around because you're out there having fun, because Ty Gorder had rocked him and hurt him. Well, he, knocked, and he was hurt him down in the first round, knocked him on his ass. First, yes, and so then he's getting the crowd pumping and all these other things. Instead of jumping on top of him and trying to put him away and do damage, he kept stepping away and letting him stand back up. Well, in the third round, that backfired. And so it doesn't matter, like... It only takes one moment to change the way the fight starts to go. And so I, I want to give Stotts had a great performance, oh. you know, against Magomed Magomedov. But in past fights, he's had great performances, but he's sometimes just been comfortable dominating them and letting them hang around. And this is why you, if you have an opportunity to get fighters out of there, you need to get them out of there because it can change at any moment. But let me ask you um, this about Gorder, yeah. in your opinion, because it was – when I was watching it, what I was thinking was, you know, when he knocked him down in the first round and he went after him and he kind of gassed himself. Yes. And and it yep. wasn't that, I, it's not that I don't think Ty Gorder was in condition. I think the adrenaline, the fact that he knew I got to win this because he, he was coming off a loss, you know, and he, he knew what this meant. And then he was having a hard time catching his air. Yep. And again, I think it's more of, it was a pressure and fear and adrenaline thing than it was him not being in shape but it stuck with him for a long time. 
And that that was I think that was the difference in the fight for him. No, I agree. Yeah, I agree. He uh he kind of blew his wad, you know, trying to get him out of there in the first round. He could tell when he started stepping back and letting him up. Um, you know, you could tell he was doing it because he needed a break. You know, he yeah. needed, he needed, wanted to get his wind back about him. And then on top of that, I, I think he also was trying to be a showman. I, I thought he felt like he was in dominant, he was in dominant control of the fight, which he was at the time. But you can't, like, I'm going to keep going back. You cannot allow fighters to stick around. Get him out of there. You got to get him out of there. And so and it cost him, you know, and I thought it was a bad decision. It should have been a draw at the very least. And, it, and I could have seen it being a win for Gorder. Yep. Um, but it didn't. It doesn't end up turning out that way. And so you got to be very careful, especially when you're a Mohegan son. Do not let it go to the judges, <laughs> especially when you're there. Um, Davy R. Franklin versus Everett Cummings. Exactly kind of what we thought it would be. And then Everett, or not Everett, but uh, Davy R. If you're if you're listening to this show, which you probably are, um, yes, because he gets mad at you too. Yes, he does, and I'm okay with <laughs> this. Okay, and I want everyone to understand. He that got mad it's at me. Funny. These fighters get bad at me when I say these things, but then guess what? In the same breath, they're like, yeah, but you were right. And I just want to make yeah, sure that true. that's stadium. I want to pat myself on the back. Oh, okay. I'm going to throw my <laughs> shoulder out doing that. But, I mean, it's it's true. And so, Davion, do not read your paper clippings, okay? Your newspaper clippings, put them to the side. I know you had a good performance. And I know that yeah, yeah. Everett Cummings was 15-0. and 0, You know, now he's 15-1 and 1 or whatever. But th- this is just the beginning. Just Put the paper clippings to the side, mount them up on your wall, but don't read them anymore, okay? Because we know you're explosive, we know you're good, but you can't. You're not going to get much from this fight in terms of. You're a never as situation. good as what those clippings are going to say, and you're never as bad as what those clippings are going to say. You know That's you're true. somewhere in between, so you know who you are. the The best part about this was, look, and we said it before, Davion Franklin is. He's an incredible athlete, but you know, and when you talk about incredible athletes at heavyweight. That's not something that you see all the time. That's the top guys. You see a lot of guys at heavyweight. They're just not that good of an athlete. They're not that fast, but they're big, and they, they decided to you know learn how to fight, and they've trained, and they can do it. Davion Franklin is fast. He's got power. He's strong. He can wrestle. Davion's biggest thing that he needs to always be looking at is understanding how to fight. You don't don't lose your don't lose your your head in this thing. It is about you being smart. And he was smart in this. He exploded when he wanted to. The big kick up high kind of you know shocked Everett, and then he hit him when he went down the right hand. He hit him with dude that would have broke a block wall. Yeah, <laughs> was, I mean, he hit him on the top of the head. And he went down. I know. <clears throat> yeah. So he's got power, but look, I thought honestly, I thought the the. The fight of the night definitely belongs to Rafael Stotts. No doubt about it. He, there's no his performance was everything you needed to see from a true mixed martial artist. And Both Magomed, yeah, Magomed, Magomedov was doing everything he could to get this fight to the ground, and he wasn't able to get it. And then he was stuck having to stand with someone who was a superior stand-up guy, you know. Um, and Rafael fought a smart fight. He fought conservative. Everything was um, methodical in what he was doing. He <clears throat> he wasn't throwing heavy heat, but he was getting it there fast and getting it back to his stand so he could defend the takedowns. And man, his sprawls were on point. Every time that oh, yeah. Magomedov had shot, he I mean he he was I thought he was sometimes out sprawl the situation. <laughs> he almost did. He almost fucking went to, as Magomed's going, he was almost going at his feet are coming out. It's like it might be too soon. <laughs> That's how fast mm-hmm. he was. 
But, but um, I want to remind people that Magomed Magomedov, until until this loss to Stotts, he only had one loss before. He also had a win over Piotr, however you want to say his name. It's Peter Jan. Okay, people. There you go. Peter Yoder. Yoder. But um, his only loss before that was to Peter, to Peter Jan, and he had a win over Peter Jan as well. They were one and one with each other. And in sitting there and talking with him in the fighter interviews, he's like, yeah, let's not try to compare Rafian Stotts to Peter Jan. Peter, uh, Peter Jan's one of the best in the world. Well, Rafian Stotts is one of the best in the world. And so I want to make sure it's clear. It was a very great performance by him. Um, they had great scrambles. I mean, Magomed was in a lot of trouble. I want to say in the second round when he got, you know, his back was taken and, and almost got finished. Third round. Third round. Third round. Sorry, third round. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it was just a good fight. He had a, he had a couple good exchanges. He was like in a kind of like in a uh, in a hook sweep position. I think that was in the second round where he stepped over. Yeah, right Rafael stepped over. Yeah, Rafael did. And I was like, wow, that was very impressive. And to do that against someone like uh, Magomed Magomedov was impressive. So I thought That's, the night that, belonged that, to him. You're taking a look at positioning, awareness, body control, all these things that were part of what he did. Because Magomed had him in the takedown. He had him. Yeah. And it was what Rafion was able to do. And, and that's not something everyone can do. That's a guy that, yeah, he's a panther. That's what I call him, man. He is a damn panther. He's got unbelievable reflexes. He's fast. He's strong. And if he just is able to fight in a manner like he did, very smart, controlled, did not let the you know, atmosphere and everything overtake him or the or the fact he knew going in. He knew exactly how good Magomed was. Yeah. And he knew that this is a guy that I cannot just sit there and out wrestle like I've been able to do with just about everybody. You know, it was uh very impressive. Very impressive yeah. fight by both guys and uh cannot wait to see what comes next because I do <laughs> hope that they bring in this Phantom Weight Grand Prix. That will yeah. be unbelievable. Think yeah, of the I people in that thing. I think they'll probably announce that thing um, now that the featherweight one is wrapped up, and then we'll have the October 16th, right, in Phoenix will be the semifinals for the light heavyweight tournament. So then I think that'll yep. pretty much roll us right into the, the bantamweight. So um, they'll probably start the bantamweight, I'd say, sometime around January, February, you know, that first that first part of the year. I think it's going to be great, though, because now you've got Magomed, uh, Magomedov probably on the other side of the bracket, you know, fighting uh, probably like somewhere in there to fight for the title. Over Rafael yeah. Stotts. Rafael Stotts on the other side, he's got his hands full as well. So, I mean, the one thing I want people to go back when you guys, if you guys go back and watch that fight, he out wrestled um, Magomedov. And that's something that not a lot of guys can do. You know, I mean, there's been top level fighters that have not been able to out wrestle him. And he, he ankle picked him. He sprawled over him. And then when Magomed started to work his way back up, he ankle picked him, drove into him, got oh, to the top position. He looked phenomenal everywhere. He yep. took the fight everywhere, and he mixed it up so well. And, you know, and I know Rafian's probably listening to this, so, hey, hey, buddy, calm down, okay? We're getting to the championship titles. <laughs> We're getting there. We're getting there. But, buddy, you had a great performance. I owe you your due. And uh, I tip my hat to you, my man. You did you did exactly what you said you were going to do. And he's like, hey, you guys, I love his post-fight his post fight interview. John was so oh, great. Was Stop sleeping on my wrestling. I'm a two-time yeah. national champ for a reason. Yeah. That's American wrestling's just as good as a Dagestani Russian type wrestling. It was great. It was so funny. He was good. But, uh, he did. You know what? Good stuff. He showed personality. He showed exactly who he yeah. is as a person. He's a he's a great person. He's a great father. His two kids are absolutely adorable. Thank God they look just like their mama. But no, 
he's uh he's just a good person and i'm glad that he's having the success he's having he kind of reminds me a little bit of um dj demetrius johnson yeah a little bit just a little bit right very well rounded and yeah. you know quick very, fast fights very smart. sure of himself yeah. Does, but doesn't but doesn't no because dj was look at this is the one thing about dj dj didn't didn't puff his chest out didn't say anything yeah but he was confident yeah. dj always man when you were around him and you saw him you go you know damn he knows he knows how good he is and so yeah and then rafian's the same way i mean yep. he tore me he tore me a new one in the fighter readings <laughs> he did not that was Charles, quit sleeping on me man i know what i'm doing i know i'm good i'm like i got you buddy i got you <laughs> um the return of korshkov uh over sabahamasi I mean, yeah, I just, I think uh, Korshkov, he just, the reason why he wasn't in the rankings this time around is because he's been inactive. He was, I think he was out for almost two years. I don't know if he had visa problems or what the issue was, but we couldn't get him yeah, because of the COVID situation. Yeah, it was the whole COVID so, thing and stuff. Yeah, but uh, I think that put him right back into those rankings. I see him somewhere in that Logan Storley, Neyman Gracie uh, rankings five and six, somewhere in yeah, there. Yeah, four, five, I, six, somewhere in there. Yeah, I think that... Um, <clears throat> I think that Jason Jackson should be next in line for a title shot after whoever, I think, uh, who's fighting next now. You've got Lima and um, who do you got? You got Lima. You got and, Lima and MVP fighting. And MVP in, uh, coming up in London. Beginning of October. Yep. You, know, you got so Amazon sitting that, there. Yeah, I think you have Jason Jackson fighting Amosov, you know, after. I think he has a baby coming, and that's why he has he's not able to fight right now. So Yaroslav Amosov is 26-0. He's the champ, had a great performance, a dominant performance over Douglas Lima. But then you got Lima and you got uh, MVP that are fighting next. I think Jason Jackson should should fight uh, Amosov for the title. He's earned his due, man. He's got a win over Naomi Gracie. He's got a win over, you know, a lot of these guys. And so um, I think I think it'd be great to see uh, Jason Jackson get his title shot. Yeah, he absolutely deserves it with what he's come in and done as far as his fights in Bellator. But let's be honest. Andre Koroshkov does not get the credit he deserves. This no. guy's a he's a killer, dude. This guy is good. No one wants to fight Andre. He's he's that guy. You know, Douglas Lima is the one that you know he, when he first fought him, he lost to him. Then he came back. He was losing to him in Israel, and then got the knockout when Koroshkov actually hurt Lima, and they both set their feet and started swinging, and, and Lima hit him with a left hook that knocked him out. You know, and that's what happens when you uh, decide to go for it, and that's okay. In the third fight, Lima showed how to beat Korshkov because he was able yeah. to defend a lot of the takedowns, stop what Korshkov was doing, get him tired, and then put him put him away with a rear naked choke. And that was a great performance by Douglas Lima. But you know, there's you know there's a there's a guy that's not in that list too, that's sitting there on the outside that no one's remembering. You know, and he's called the monsoon. Lorenz Larkin ah, belongs right. in there, okay? And his last fight was against, uh, at 170, was against Korshkov. He came in and he fought once at 185. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he's going to be back in that 170. He definitely belongs right up in that, you know, five, six, seven spot at least. He's had a fight against Korshkov. He got a split decision victory against him. So, there's some guys in that thing. It's back and forth. I would love to see Korshkov against Jason Jackson. I think that'd be a great fight. I think that would be fun. But if you know if Jason's going to be sitting on the sideline, you know, for a long time, based upon Amazov, you know, having you know, 
uh, a child stuff, so he's not going to be fighting. Then put him against on you know Andre Koroshkov. That would be a fun fight to watch. All of them are good. Yeah. There's a lot of good matchups. No, there is. There is. I just <clears throat> I'd hate to see the winner of MVP and Douglas Lima, you know, jump Jason Jackson. Let Jason Jackson get his his title shot. That'd be great. And then you know the winner of that can fight the winner of Jason Jackson and Amosov if Amosov will be ready to fight by then. So, yeah. but let me, overall, let me say this about Sabah Homasi though, because this is Sabah's second loss in a row, mm-hmm. and I want to just put it out: anybody that fights the way that Sabah has fought these last two fights, I would keep on my roster for as long as they wanted to be there, mm-hmm. because he had the fight against Paul Daly where he almost had Paul Daly out. He threw everything he had into it, couldn't get him out and got tired, and then Paul was able to put him away. This fight was the best fight I have ever seen Sabah Homasi fight, and he lost. But if you look at what he was doing, how he stayed composed, because we, we know Sabah, and Sabah will lose his mind in a fight and just start throwing, okay? I thought he fought composed. I thought he fought smart. Thought he fought tough as hell because he took some huge shots and kept coming back after him. There's nothing bad other than that L that goes next to his name in that fight that I can say about what he did. He fought his ass off against a great fighter, had moments in there where he was doing well, but was always composed, always smart, and was going after a guy that is a stone-cold killer. Sabah, I know you're upset. was a great performance, dude. Great yeah. performance. Um, all right, to the main event. So you have Gegard Mousasi versus John Salter. I think, I think honestly, just to be honest, that the pressure got to John Salter. He's been waiting a long time for this title shot, and I think he was. I think he was in shape. I think Gegard put that type of pressure on him. He just couldn't handle the pressure in terms of he didn't. He, he I think in the back of his mind, rounds four and five were there, just knocking on him, going, "Hey, you're getting you're you're." You're being put under all this pressure, and if we get into this four and five rounds, you are, you'd have to relax. And I don't think he could relax because Gegard never gave him a moment to relax. And once the takedown stopped coming, and they had to work super hard for him, he just started doing what what Roy McDonald was doing: shooting and then pulling guard. And that's that's not the way you're going to beat Gegard. Not a good. You can't. You're not going to get a champion out of you know his his spot by doing that. It, I look at it this way, and we you know we both knew it. Look, John Salter's submission game is outstanding but again people do not give credit to Gegard Mousasi and how good he actually is on the ground now being good on the ground he's good in you know he's not the greatest submission master there is mm-hmm. but damn he's good as far as knowing how to defend against him he's not you know this guy that's got this incredible fucking ground back you know game off of his back where he's throwing up all these you know wizard like type of submissions but you can't get him to a point where you can attack him and get to those submissions. And then once you yeah. do, he's able to defend against him. His top game is unbelievably heavy. Again, he's not the guy that's going to go after a lot of submissions in the top game, but look at his hip positioning and look how guys that are really good on the ground start to wilt under the pressure of him being on top and the strikes that he throws. He's just freaking a phenomenal fighter. He is just good everywhere. He's fast. You know, his jab was a big, you know, difference in this fight. I think John Salter could not see that jab when it was popping out. 
because Gegard was walking forward, you know, putting pressure, which is what I thought he needed to do on John because that would make John be tense. It would it would burn energy, and that's one of the things that we thought. You know, John does tend to trail off, you know, especially if he gets towards the third round. And then we were talking four and five was possibly there. So pressure would make that happen at a quicker rate. It would be something that could work for you, and he used that exactly. He was going after him. It's just the level of fighters. Let's just be honest. You're yeah. talking about a legend in Gegard. John Salter's a great fighter. He is yeah. tough as hell, and he'll beat most guys. It's just all that experience, all of what Gegard has done in his career and how smart he is as a fighter, it was too much for the first time, you know, coming into that championship fight for John Salter. But yeah. nothing nothing bad there. Well, they, they officially announced that it was going to be, they didn't say when it was going to happen, but they said that Austin Vanford would be next. So Mr. Van Zant is fighting Gegard next for the title. Uh, <laughs> they said probably sometime early next year because uh, huh? Austin's got a little bit of a, an arm injury that he's dealing with right now. He just had surgery this week. And then you've got Gegard who's going to go back home, probably you know rest for about a month and then probably get back stay on, on the track farm. To, yep, stay on the farm and just start training. So, um that's going to be a good fight. I look at it as almost like a repeat of this fight, except the difference will be the speed and the, I like the, the cardio and the, and the, and the pace will be a lot faster. I don't think Gagar can do what he did to John Salter to, to Austin Vanifer that he did to John Salter. He's not going to be able to try to walk him down because Austin will be able to wrestle and wrestle. Like he'll continue to wrestle throughout yeah. the rounds. He will not pull guard. He is someone who's he comes in always in shape. He pushes the pace. He's got great scrambles. You know, um, may, I give obviously the edge on John Salter having more. Um, oh, John Salter's definitely more dangerous as far as the submissions. yeah, more dangerous when it comes to the submissions. But the power, I put it, I give it to uh, Austin Vanderford. The speed, I give it to Austin Vanderford. So if you have Austin fighting Gegard, some of those shots that like I, I talked about on the broadcast, just blatant disregard or disrespect. For John Salter's stand-up, and he got clipped a couple times. One time looked like it kind of oh, like, one time he got hurt. Yeah, and the that left the that end. overhand left that hit him that hook. It, yep, it kind of it had Gegard a little weird for a second, and then got his he, attention. there was no follow-up. Yeah, there was no follow-up. And but with Austin though, there's gonna be some follow-up. There's gonna be a lot more, and it's gonna get there faster. And he possesses a little bit more power, I think, than John Salter. So it'll be it'll be an interesting fight to see when that fight comes about, but. That's that's tough, man. Austin's he's a tough kid. He's but that's a big step up in competition. Careful from, you what know, you wish for, my yeah. friend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm just being honest. It's not. And you're right. He's a younger, faster, stronger fighter. That's yeah. You know, he's a young, younger, faster. Uh, maybe not faster. He's close to the same. Younger, stronger fighter than Gegard. Younger, faster, stronger fighter than John Salter. Yes. And he, and there's yeah. certain elements that he has. But the one thing that he definitely doesn't have is he doesn't have the amount of experience that Gegard has, especially in championship fights. Again, no five-round fights. No, he has and, one. Yeah, I talked to him on air. He has one, but it was in a lower organization. But, yeah, he has a five-round Yeah, and, round and what round did it go to? Uh, I don't know. Oh. Does he go that. into the fourth or fifth round? Yeah, you didn't, you didn't, I, it's not a five-round fight. That's right. I didn't ask him though. I didn't ask him that. I was like, "Hey, have you ever fought a fire round fight?" He's like, "Yeah, that's as far as we got." So yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but uh, yeah, he's got his hands full with Gegard, man. He's got his hands full with Gegard. So, 
And here's the thing, you know, he trains with guys that are all undefeated as well. So he tra- he trains with Amosov, who is 26 and 0. He trains with Johnny Eblen, who is nine or ten and 0. You know, and then he trains with Dalton Rasta, who is six or seven and 0. So I think between all four of them, they're all in the Bellator roster, but they're all undefeated. Between the four of them, I think their record's like 50 or 51 and 0. So it's pretty impressive uh, yeah. to think that those guys are all trained together. So, yeah. all right, all right. Well, hey, um. Let's go. MyBookie.ag, MyBookie.com. Go there. Use the promo code Wayne in, And they're going to give you a little extra cash, you know. So football is picking back up. So this is the preseason. I don't think, I don't think you can bet on the preseason. But um, maybe you could. But I bet there's you can. preseason uh, coming up. Hockey's about to restart as well. I'm pumped. I love hockey, man. I'm pumped. So when hockey starts back up. There's another thing to, to start betting on as well. So go to mybookie.ag, use the promo code Wayne in. They're going to give you a little extra cash, and you can um, use that there as well. On top now, of that, though. On top of that, I'm going to say this. Don't try to get rich doing this. But, hey, guys, if you put $5, $10 down on a fight, it will definitely make it a little bit more interesting, put a little bit more pressure, make you a little bit more tense during the fight. It's a lot of fun. Don't worry about becoming rich off of it. Just have fun with it. And use my bookie. It's funny that um, I we were at the casino and I've never gambled at um, at Mohegan. No matter how much we're there, I've never gambled. Yeah. But then um, after we got done, I got done packing. I hit you guys up. I said, "Hey, I'm gonna go back down and uh, I'm gonna have a beer with uh, Mr. Van Zant and uh, and Miss Van Zant." So we went down and I went down had a beer and we ended up at the tables. I ended up winning four hundred bucks. I was like, "Hey!" Oh, but little go. did I know. Their table minimum is like 50 bucks. I'm like, we're not in Vegas, man. Like, what the fuck? People well, can't make it don't the, have 50 bucks. That would have been the end of my table experience. Like yeah. I said, five, 10 bucks is fun. Yeah, exactly. I, I was like, I was looking, I was like, hey, where are the tables that are like, you know, like I said, five or ten dollars? No, we don't have them. I'm like, you don't have a twenty five dollar table? And they're like, no. I'm like, what the fuck? Wow. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Everything was fifty dollars. I'm like, this is nuts. Anyways, yeah, we started winning, and I was like, okay, cool. So yeah, as long out. as you're playing on that on the house's money, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, we got we got we had a really good dealer that came in after like one or two hands, and we just started winning, and then uh, we stayed. And then when that dealer left, we stayed with the for the with the other dealer for one hand, and he, I had a nineteen, Austin had a twenty. And the, de- and the dealer gets a 21. I picked up my money and said, I'm fucking out of here. Say goodbye. There's no way. Yeah. I'm like, no way. Your first Bad hand. Bad juju. You, yeah, you get a 20. You, you get blackjack the first hand. No way, man. Yeah, I'm out of here. And I had a 19 and he had a 20. I'm like, yeah, I'm done. Austin looked at me. He's like, we're out of here. <laughs> so it was good. <laughs> oh, shit. That's great. Wow. Uh, $50 a hand. I can't believe that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, you're in Connecticut, man. This is not Vegas. What are you <laughs> well, guys Connecticut's doing? Yeah. <laughs> Oh jeez, that's like fuck you money to me. Oh yeah, <laughs> you have you start betting fifty dollar hands. Like, come on, man, that's fuck you money. All right, so Yoel Romero's gonna uh, set uh, set to make his military debut on. How did I not get that out of my mouth? Jeez, Yoel <laughs> Romero is set to make <laughs> his Bellator <laughs> debut. There you go. Jeez, go ahead, now it's yours. Uh, just to remind you guys, it's pretty damn early here. <laughs> It's pretty early where I'm at. I got like a 15-minute um, lecture yeah. from you before we started about speaking English this show, and Josh can barely yeah. get the headline in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And see, the thing is, you just you just said something, and no one understood what you just said. So <laughs> not one person. Um, yeah, so he's making his Bellator debut against Phil Davis. 
And that is September 18th in San Jose at the SAP Arena. So that should be a great fight, man. I, I mean, when they started talking about who they should match him up against, and I didn't even think about Phil Davis. I don't know why or what the situation was. I don't know what I was thinking, but yeah, so him and Phil. I mean, what do you think? Uh, look at Yoel Romero's remarkable as far as his uh, ability. I think being at 205 is going to be a good thing for him. I really think that's a, a game changer for him, even though I, I look at it and I go, I would like to see him fight against Gegard just to see that fight yeah. at 185. But I understand, you know, cutting the weight has been a problem for him recently in his fights. And so I think the 205 is a good thing for him. That's a huge 20-pound difference. The yeah. strength-wise, it's not going to make any, you know, any problems for him. But I do think that Phil being uh, as elusive as he is, it's going to cause you all some problems as far as Phil doesn't just, uh, you know, come forward. He, he he bounces in and out. He uses good angles and stuff. He's got good wrestling. It's not quite at the level that uh, Yoel reached, but it's good enough for MMA for him to uh, yeah. keep this fight where he wants. If he wants to keep her on the feet, he can try to take Yoel down. Yoel is someone you can take down because he does overextend on some of his punches and combinations that he throws because he's very confident in his wrestling. So I think it's a really good matchup. I think this is a, a fun fight. I do think the speed goes with Phil Davis, though. And I always like speed in a fight. And Not that Yoel is not a supreme athlete, but he is getting older, and that speed does start to diminish. I don't know. It's a tough yeah. debut fight for Yoel Romero. Yeah, to see him fight at 205, I think it's going to be huge because he has. A, yes. he's always had a tendency of slowing down as the fight goes on. Absolutely. I wonder how much that and, is attributed to the weight cut. And you I think I mean? that he also knows about it you know, in his head, and so he doesn't go and explode when yeah. he can because he's worried about, you know, I, I, I know that I, I'll get tired here because I cut so much weight. Not going to be yeah. there. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I, Phil, I think, could take him down. I don't know if Phil was going to put that much effort out. I think he's going to try to make... Yoel. Phil, Phil will not be trying to take him down. He, only if, only if uh, at a, I, I don't even know when because Phil just does not like to wrestle. He likes to stand up. Now, if he he will take you down if the opportunity arises and he's not going to burn yeah. a lot of energy, and that's smart fighting. I'm not saying anything's wrong with it. It's the way to do it. But I think it's going to be mostly on the feet. I agree. I agree. But I'm glad that's happening in San Jose because they need, they need to stack the rest of that card. So. I know Adam Piccolotti is set to fight on that card as well. Yeah, that's so a that's good a return, fight right there. Return of Adam Piccolotti, and uh, I don't want to announce it because I don't think it's been announced yeah. yet. Okay, so then I'm, then I'm sorry. Gonna... I'll say I won't say yeah. what that fight is, but it's a good fight. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like choose it. to keep my job, so I'll let them announce it. <laughs> next, next. Uh, what else you got, Dave? Uh, the next. So we're going to jump to a couple of social media topics that came up this week. Let's uh, go. Is, sorry, first we're going to do we're going to talk about Anderson Silva versus T Ortiz, and then we'll all right, I knew about this one. Hmm. <laughs> um, Anderson Silva, Tito Ortiz. I have no idea. Like Tito, I I like you, you know. Um, but you're not a boxer. You never <laughs> have been a stand up guy. I don't know why you're taking this fight. I get it, money. I get it. I understand that. Um, there you go. Now you understand why. It. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's pretty much it. I, I mean, whatever. It's not going to go well for you, buddy. You know, it's not. Ooh, I don't think it's going to go well The prediction by Josh Thompson <laughs> yeah. is out. Yeah. You're going with Tito. Oh, I'm, going, <laughs> I'm going with Anderson for sure. 
You know, um, I think Tito will make it kind of a fight for the first two rounds, but then after that, it's gonna be all Anderson. Anderson's just gonna start touching him and touching him. And it's not gonna be good. Anderson so, has never had such a big target. Come on. <laughs> uh, what do you think? <clears throat> you know, I I had someone talk to me about this fight, and uh, um, they actually asked me to referee it. I ended up turning it down because, in fact, the guy that put out this report is the guy that said, oh, John McCarthy's going to be the third man in the ring. I said, oh, really? I can prove you wrong. No, yeah. I won't do it. <laughs> so um, I, I looked at it, and it, the, the truth is this. They're both 46 years of age. Yeah. Right? Tito fought at 205 for most of his career. This is going to be at 195. Yeah, that's the weight on it. So that's a you know, 190? One, 195. Oh, jeez. 95 is wait. So Tito's going to have to bring himself down. He's going to have to be dieting. He's going to have to be doing a lot of things. So you know he's going to come in kind of in shape. But that 195, he used to struggle to make 199, which was what the weight category was like when he fought Frank Shamrock. Yep. Okay, and he was a much younger man back then. And that he struggled at that 199. So that 205 was kind of brought in to kind of help him because he was the champion in the UFC at the time. So... uh that it wasn't. The, they didn't kind of make that weight for him. They did make it for him. Okay, thank you very much. I was trying to be, you know, you know, but yes, it was. So that two hundred five was put there because that was a weight that he could always get to make, and that they, that was their champion. So that's a ten pound difference. That's a huge difference, and he is. That's not that much time. That is, you know, September eleventh. We're talking less than a month. Uh, he's going to have to be cutting a lot of weight. Because, look, if Tito walks around at 230-something, yeah. 195 is a big cut. Anderson is feeling very happy right now. He's comfortable, <laughs> and at 195, he'll make that all day long, no problem at all. So energy-wise, even if Tito's going to be in shape, and I, I know he will be, energy-wise going to go to Anderson. He's going to be fresh. Tito's going to have a deficiency problem just based upon the weight cut. They're both 46. They both were world champions. There's no doubt that Tito never won fights based upon his stand-up skills and prowess. He won it by being a ground and pounder. He won it by using wrestling and getting someone to the ground and keeping himself from being hurt and putting you know, a beat down with elbows, which was his best strikes ever because he was never a guy that had a lot of power in his hands. This is going to be with 12-ounce gloves. 12-ounce gloves... Anderson Silva all day long. You're not. You're, he's not going to really touch Anderson well, and Anderson's going to be popping out a jab that cannot miss. Again, Tito, I love you, but you got a pumpkin-sized head. It's huge, <laughs> and he's going to have to be trying to move that thing. Jason Pearl is going to be there, I'm sure, for uh, Tito. He's a great coach, but the skill level wise, I look and I say Anderson's the guy that should absolutely walk away in the end with this fight. But it's you know it could be competitive. I don't see a problem with it, and uh, it's going to be two-minute rounds. Um, uh, so at two-minute rounds, that's helping Tito survive. You, you said 12-ounce gloves. Wouldn't it be 10s? Yeah, it normally would be. Ah. But when the commission says, we'll let you do it with 12-ounce gloves, what are they saying? I have no fucking clue. <laughs> like, yeah, they're like, saying... We don't want, we don't want, I know, but we don't want you getting knocked out. We don't want you being able, that doesn't mean that you won't get the knockout, but the bigger gloves does two things. First off, there is a difference when you get hit by a 10 ounce glove 
and a 12 ounce glove. It's just a harder shocking impact, you know, with the lighter glove. Not that it doesn't hurt with the bigger glove. It still hurts. And definitely if it touches your chin, it's going to put you out, but it's also easier to defend with a 12 ounce glove than a 10 ounce glove. Cause it's just got a bigger frontal facial area and yeah. it's easier to, you know, to parry things off and to defend and block. So that's why it also allows you to take more damage, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, it's, I look, I think it's, it's on a, it's on a pretty stacked card. Like when it comes to like entertainment value with some names, it's on a stacked card. So it'll be good. I mean, it'll be, I think it'll be a decent show. Yeah. Oscar Del Hoy, I think is fighting, um, He's fighting Vitor, Vitor Belfort. Same card. Yeah. The yeah. same card. So good yeah. stuff. I mean, we'll see. Yeah. It's, it, they're fun fights, man. That's all they are. They're not, we're not looking to, to, it's not going to revive boxing, you know, but you see that, you uh, see that thing fights. that Dave's got highlighted down there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that, obviously where, wrong. Where did he get this? From? I'm... <laughs> it's also funny but... that he wrote John McCarthy, a former longtime UFC referee. It's yeah. like, okay, okay you've you. clearly never watched UFC or MMA in your life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? So, no, I just look at it and it's like, oh, really? Okay. I, I can oh. guarantee I can make your little story least wrong there well i don't know where you like why would you write that if you never talked to me about it like or you about it you know good question someone told him something that's just that's because someone call... asked you to do something doesn't mean you're doing it yeah well the thing is though is you work for espn man like you gotta you gotta be on top of this stuff you're <laughs> the leading news source for sports and you're over here saying things like that that are obviously not true so um denzel washington said you'd rather be first than right there you go. Media these days. All right. Uh, what else you got there, Dave? Next. All right. Let Let's hop into some of these videos. So, um, so this first video was one that we talked about. Disgusting. Um, this first video, just say it is disgusting. Oh, gee, it's so. It was hard for me to watch, man. All right. I'll let you guys take it from there. Then. <laughs> I think this is the EFC. Um, this is a yep. fight that happened there, and, and this is where. Okay, when you take, you're just taking a look at what the referee's doing right now. If you don't have the common sense, he's out. He's out. He's unconscious. She yeah, lifted up his arm right and there. dropped it. Like, what are you yep. doing? And now, that's all movement by the opponent. Now, the opponent actually kind of lets go of the choke, and you'll see him. He actually does pop him, so he's out right now. He's completely out. Changes like, the, the choke. What the hell are you fucking looking at? When he changes the choke, the pressure, and the guy actually starts to, it pops him back in, then he goes back out. He's out. He's still out. She's flopping his arm like she's in the goddamn WWE because she's clueless. She's watched somebody do that before and goes, oh, I'll just do that. That guy was out for 30-some seconds, man. That is what you call horrible. She should not be allowed to step in a cage with fighters of any goddamn fucking level, be it amateur or professional. Because you obviously don't understand what you're looking at. Just horrible. I don't want horrible. to see that. I don't want to see that fucking girl ref fucking bum fights. I don't want to see her do shit. Okay. Like that was disgusting. I, I sent that, that to you. Disgusting. I said, what in the, what in the actual fuck is this chick doing? I was so mad. I'm like the amount of time. He was out and then kind of got revived a little bit only based off the fact that the fighter was trying to readjust the choke, yep. not realizing that the fucking guy was out and she's flopping his arm around. Like you said, like the WWE 
but when you lifted his arm and it fell, did, well, what were you expecting him to do? As, was a fucking Hulk Hogan looking, dance? Like, thumbs again, up and start shaking and reviving? What the fuck? You know, she's doing all kinds of things that we go. She's trying to see his face. He's face down. Why are you trying to look at his face? Stop. Don't look at what we call the, the micro. Macro. You want to look at his entire body. What is his body doing? It's going to give you the information you need. But when you are under pressure and you are not good at what you do, this is what happens. And this is, you know, shame on the promoter. If he's the one that's responsible, I'm not sure he is because I don't know if they have any kind of regulation. But if there's a sanctioning body or a regulator, shame on you for yeah. allowing somebody like that to be in charge of a fight when they obviously don't have a fucking clue. Bad. It was horrible. If you guys watch at the very end, he was out for so long, his fucking body is stiff. Oh, yeah. His, he's he's actually looks like he's doing like uh, the reverse crunches with his back, it, like his low back extensions. His body's he's so stiff. He's posturing. He's just like, what the hell is going on? That's what his How? brain is. Because of what is the trauma that's occurred as far as being out held that long, he's posturing. It's horrible. Jeez, it is just man. horrible. Just disgusting. And, but this is what can happen in our sport, and this is why, you know, when people go, well, why is it always the same people? That's why. Yeah. <laughs> you can't have that happen in yeah. a big fight. Yeah. You know, it's. Gosh, man. Yeah. I mean, that, that was it was just gross to watch. Absolutely disgusting. Disgusting God. to watch. John, um, do you know I any s- of the fallout from it? <clears throat> no, you I know, know none of the fallout from that as far as, like I said, I think that was the. Uh, EFC. EFC, which is, uh, I believe, in South Africa. Oh, okay. And uh, what they do or anything like that, I have no idea. But she she shouldn't even be allowed to go into an arena. Let's just say. Not yeah. not as far as step in a cage. You're not even allowed to go inside. Yeah, go you away. Know, you don't know what kind of brain damage he could potentially suffer from being... Yeah, and, you know, and that's she the whole thing. And it's, and, it's, and it's all based upon... Everything that happens to him is all based upon the inability of one person to do their job the correct way. And if you can't do it the correct way, you shouldn't be in there. If it's a lack of knowledge, shame on you. But this is one of those ones, oh, you know, and you get it all the time. I would be really good. Sure, you would be. Under pressure, it's completely different than what you think because you have to make the right call. You know, and this is where, okay, let's take a look at, you know, we, we've had fights where people said, oh, I think that was stopped early. This is why, because they don't want to be in this situation. Okay. Yeah, this is it horrible. happens, but this is horrible. This is absolutely John, if you have any, <laughs> there's a comment below that says, so were they fighting to the death? What yeah, the that's exactly what it looks like. You know? Oh my it's, gosh, uh, man. There, there, there was a, there was a fight that happened in Canada. I'm trying to, Randy Couture's ex-wife. Kim Couture was part of it. She was the one that was getting choked. And it was a scissor choke. All right. Yeah. You know, leg scissor. Yeah. And she goes out and she probably was out for a good 10 to 11 seconds before it was stopped. And it, um, you know, that was considered, oh my God. You know, and the guy who, you know, was in charge of that, I told him, I said, you shouldn't be doing this. You don't know what you're looking at. Yeah, you know, and he he came from a boxing background, and he wanted to do MMA, and he took classes. But it's like you can take classes; they're not going to. You've got to be someone that participates in grappling arts that have chokes, so you've been choked and you understand what it's like, and you can see it, and you do these things. Well, that 
this one now puts that one to shame. And, uh, I don't know if Dave can show that one with a scissor choke, but it was uh, Sheila Bird against Kim Couture. And in this, you know, she, when she puts her in the scissor choke, you'll see her go out. It's easy to see she goes out. And when she does, he just lets it go. And he's looking and it's like, oh, my God. And, and like I said, that was like 10 seconds. Yeah, let's see. She's trying to get she's, out right. And, and you'll see her. She goes yeah. out right there. She's out. Yeah. She's out. She's unconscious. Legs twitching. And, and this is where, oh, look at the body. Legs. It will tell you. You see the legs go straight. She's still out. And she's out. There he oh, goes with a little arm flop again. And it, you just look and you go, come on. Yeah. But again, that that was nothing compared to what we just watched. With yeah, that was just embarrassing. Embarrassing the one we just watched. Yeah. Um, all right. Then we have another one, right, Dave? What's it? What's the next one? There's another social media thing that we were uh, big John. Uh, we we're going off random raving about. This one is not that you don't know what you're doing as far as looking at. This is you're just an asshole. Yes. What promotion is this? Oh. This is in Russia. Um, this is the fight. That guy gets clocked. And he's, he goes out. That's a good stoppage. Great stoppage by the referee. Mm-hmm. And this has happened how many times? A guy gets knocked out. He gets hit. He goes out. And he gets hit one more time and kind of wakes up and then kind of attacks the referee thinking, you know, he's still fighting because he doesn't know. And it's like you look and what does the referee do? Puts him in a guillotine and holds it to the point where he goes out because and you look and you go, why? What are you doing? And you what? look at just take a look at the referee's face when he lets go. And is yeah. walking away and a little smug. And it's like, you, sir, are an asshole. And I would put you in a cage with that guy when he is not hurt. And now go ahead and let him beat the shit out of you because there's no reason for you to choke him unconscious. There's yeah. been all kinds of these. I had it with, you know, when Babalu fought Chuck Liddell. You know, he's, he's trying to take me down. You know, I reverse him, put him in, and I get him out. Hey, and I'm just telling him, hey, it's, okay. it's over. It's over. You don't ever try to do anything that can hurt the fighter. That is absolutely crazy. Leon Roberts had one that was a beautiful one. It was a guy that wouldn't stop. It wasn't that he wasn't hurt. Wouldn't stop. And and Leon is a big, strong guy, and he's going to try to stop him, and he won't stop. Leon grabs a hold of him, gets his hooks, and yanks him off with a seatbelt, never tries to choke him, has him in a seatbelt, and is telling him, hey, stop, you know? Your job as the referee is to make sure that that doesn't happen, and you're the one yeah. committing it. Look at look at the guy's look, the smug face. He's yeah, like you need to be slapped. Laughing, yeah. That yeah, right like, there, that that right there. If I was king of MMA, that would be your last fight you ever fucking officiated. Yeah, it was I don't horrible. care how good you are. You don't. You're do basically that. you're basically walking away with that smug look on your face. You just choked out someone who just got knocked out. Knocked out. And you think you're you think you're tough shit. It was. Yeah. I, I saw that. I was like, what the fuck is going on right now? Horrible. I, yeah. I mean, I get the whole part of you know trying to just stop him from trying to take you down. Obviously, just. But yeah. There's no reason for you to choke him. There was never a reason for you to choke him. No. Okay. Like he's he's obviously doesn't even know where he's at. So if you just talk to him as you just defending the takedown, he'll eventually come around. But he ended not up choking him fucking, all the way out. Not when you're guillotining him. Yeah, so <laughs> you know, like, yeah I'm on. sure because he can hear, right? He can hear everything. Yeah. You're, oh, what is going on in our sport right now, John? What the hell is going on? Man, I swear to God. Jeez. 
all of these will be linked hour. below, by the way, so you guys can find all of these at the bottom of the description. So thank yeah, you, there, Dave. Got it. This is what uh, we get to see all the time. You go, oh my god. All right, next. <laughs> all right, this next one is um is a post from somebody I think on e is it ESPN, John? You probably I think you know this a bit better than I do. Um, yeah, it, it wasn't. But... Uh, I think ESPN ended up putting it out, but this is pretty impressive when you look at it. And you go percentage of the revenue paid to athletes. Major League Baseball, they get 54%. That's phenomenal. And that's what, you know, players' unions and stuff does for their athletes to get them to that point. 50% by the NBA, 48% for the NFL, 44.7% for Bellator, 16%. That's why you see that nice little by Francis yeah. Ngannou. No one wants to say that 16%. So when all of you are saying all this stuff of, oh, he shouldn't go somewhere else. Oh, he's afraid. No, he's not afraid. She's not afraid. They want to get paid. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not going to compare the uh, UFC and Bellator. I'm not going to compare that because the Bellator has to pay more if they want to get higher level talent. Sure. So that's why. That, that's why they pay more of the pie to the fighters is because they know that a lot of the younger fighters want to go to the UFC. And so they're like, hey, we gotta, they've got to spark their interest in making sure that they get to have top-level fighters there, like Rafian Stott. So they have to pay them a little bit more to, to keep them yep. and also to have them come there to begin with. Yep. you know. And so I'm not going to compare those two things. When we get into the NFL but, and the NBA... And, but hold, hold, hold and, on, Josh. Know, I want you to think about this. Who makes more money, Bellator or the UFC? Who makes more money? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, the UFC does. Not even close, right? We're yeah. talking the UFC is a multi-billion dollar company making close to a billion dollars in a year, mm -hmm. and they pay way less money. Now, obviously, the reason they're making close to a billion dollars in the year is because they're paying way less money. But it's yeah. like there comes a point when all of the people at the top are all of these rich people with everything they want, and you have, and this is when, you know, when we talked about, we had, you know, our uh, thing we are talking about, you know, is the UFC the NFL of MMA? And I said, no, yes and no, but they don't have this. They don't have that. They don't have, they don't have a living wage for their fighters. If a fighter comes into something that is supposed to be the NFL of MMA, well, then they can at least say that that is their job. They don't have to have another job. They have a living wage by fighting the times that they're supposed to fight, you know, during that year. And that is not there yet. And so this is where, you know, let's just be honest. You know, a lot of people don't like what Jake Paul is saying and everything. He's helping fighters because he is attacking them about their fighter pay. And there needs to be done because if, you know, people are not being paid what they, you know, need to get paid to survive by the biggest one, come on. Step up your game. I, I know I'm being an asshole <clears throat> and saying, no. you, know, you know, this because no. you know they're not going to be happy with me saying I, I'm on the side of the fighters. I want them to be able to say I am a professional MMA fighter. I fight for the UFC and I make a wage that I can I can pay my bills, take my kids, go to the store, get them food, get them clothing, send them to school, and I don't have to have another job. Yeah, I I think. I guess I want to try to put this in a way that people won't think I'm being a douchebag. <laughs> I, th I, oh, they I think you're a douchebag anyways. Yeah, just go. Know, Come on, baby. I, I blame <laughs> the fighters, man. I do. I blame the fighters. 
the fighters, okay. the reason why I blame them is because they continue. Rafael Stotts is going to be calling you out again now. <laughs> it's all right, but I blame I blame the fighters. Rafael Stotts made the right decision. He came to Bellator. He's probably making more money there than he would have done in the UFC. A lot of these guys are. You know, I think that's why the relationship right now is starting to grow with a lot of the Dagestani fighters, you know, through Ali and his management. And, you know, they're all coming over to Bellator now. A lot of them have started signing with Bellator. And the reason being is because now the money is – it's it's very apparent that there's a lot more money involved in in with Bellator, knowing that they're getting forty four percent of the pie. You know what I mean? Now, trust me, there it 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 varies. It varies on certain uh, certain cards, certain people. You know, sometimes there's fights where they're local guys that want to come in, and you know, you know we're going to sell a ton of tickets. You have them on the roster, but they're not really under contract. So when the fighters are under contract, that's different. But I blame the fighters. When you guys sign a multi-fight deal with whatever promotion you decide to fight for, you've got to make sure that it's it's within those ranges of where you feel respected. And that's the thing is they don't care. A lot of the fighters go to the UFC and they just go, guess what? I'm in the UFC. They think it's cool. And yeah. the reality the reality is, is that you're fighting really tough guys every single fight or, or females. You're fighting really tough uh, athletes, other fighters that you're having to fight. And it's, every single fight will be that way. You know, and you need to make sure that you're getting paid top dollar. UFC has a set pay of what they're going to pay you based on where you're at at the time that you signed that contract in the rankings. Right. That's it. They don't give a shit what you think you're worth. That's why they're having problems with John Jones, Francis Ngannou. They're having problems with their star athletes right now. It's because they don't give a shit what you think. They don't care what you think you're worth. Don't. They, they, Dana said it a long time ago. I don't know why people have managers. Because yep. they already know what their fucking price is. This is what I'm going to pay you. Take it or leave it. Shit or get off the pot. Joe Silva told me also is if you want to negotiate for another five grand or another seven grand, fine, I'll give it to you. But don't expect to get bonuses then for performance of the night. Your name's not in the hat. Yep. So you can go ahead and argue with me right now when you sign this contract for an extra three to five grand. Okay, go ahead. But then when it comes down to like, hey, you got performance of the night or you got knockout of the night. Yeah. Don't expect to have your name thrown in that unless hat. you have a fight where I can't keep it from you. Well, yeah, when there was when they had knock, I think that's why they changed from knockout and submission of the night. Oh. They changed it to performance of the night, so they could go ahead and change how they look. If there was only one knockout on the whole card, they were they had no choice but to give you knockout right. of the night, and right. so they got rid of that because they didn't want to have to be put in that situation. So then they could also say like, yeah, we don't really like that guy because that's what they do. We don't really <laughs> like that guy, so let's give. Let's give this performance of the night to this other guy over here who we think is going to potentially be a bigger star who is not on their last fight of the contract giving us a hard time. That's the thing. And so that's why they switched all that up. But I blame the fighters. You know, I blame the fighters. You guys are so enamored with, oh, my God, the UFC. Stop, man. Stop. The UFC will be there as long as it doesn't matter what promotion you fight from as long as you keep winning. And then when you go there, eventually you go back or you go there again, or if you go there to begin with at all, you can demand the kind of money that you want. You know, like look at, like I, I use AJ as a, a, an example almost every single time. They let him go. They released him because he kept missing weight. So what did he do? He went to the World Series of Fighting when it was, it's the PFL, but it's, it used to be yeah. the World Series it was, of Fighting. When it started up as World Series of Fighting. Yeah. He went there, dominated there, had some big wins, never wanted to fight for the title. He said, no, I don't want to fight for the title because he didn't want to get locked into a contract. So he just kept fighting, kept winning, got paid really well over there. And then when for him to come back to UFC, they offered him money. And he's like, no, nah, I'm cool. I'll stay where I'm at. And then they eventually said, okay, look, this is what we're going to pay you. He ended up leaving for, what, two years, comes back, was making triple what he was making before he left. 
Greatest thing and he was one of the best him. guys. That's that's what happens when you start winning another organization, you know. And so he came back, had a great run, you know, at a higher weight class, and you know, and he fought for the vacant title. I think against DC, right? That was vacant. That was for the vacant title. Yeah, you know. So he ended up fighting for UFC title, came up short, but he's always been in that mix at the top because he's got knockout. He fought for the power. title twice against DC twice. Was it both twice against DC? Both times. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was just the one time when it was vacant. Oh, good stuff, man. Anyways, but yeah, look, I blame the fighters because the fighters got to start learning to stick up for themselves and not just all the fighters together. When people talk about unions, I don't really want to get into that because it's going to take all the fighters to join to do it. And it's not going to happen, man. Somebody's going to always undercut the other fighter. That's what they're going to do. No, I want because they want to say I fought in the UFC. They want to go ahead and run around their block telling their local friends or showing their their old high school buddies that they they can make they made it there. And it's not the, the reality is not there. You made it there, but you're not making any money. What's the point? You know, so that's where it's, that's where it kind of gets all mixed up. I think, John. Well, the the biggest thing in this whole thing is, and, and like, I I know people are gonna say, oh, you're you're bashing the UFC. I am not. I love the not. UFC. Okay, but I am saying that I want to see the UFC take that sixteen percent, and all I'm asking right now, bring it to twenty four percent. Yeah, I was gonna say twenty to twenty two percent, somewhere okay. in there for the first like two years. Yeah, four yeah. percent difference because it's going to make a big, you know, and you know, in that it's going to make a big difference for the fighters. And you guys are, you know, you're an incredible company and you're making a ton of money. And I'm happy for you. You, you deserve it. You've been, you know, great. It's time to just a little bit more, just a little bit yeah. more. Okay, that's I think. Look, outside of a union, if you have like a fighters association, whatever it is, right, and you just say, hey, you know what, let's take it to twenty percent. Let's say for the next two years. Then after okay. that, you go to 22%. Another 2%. And, there you go. Yeah, another 2%. You know, and then within, say, within say five or six years, you're at 25 or 27%, somewhere in there. Awesome. You know, and then you got you to gotta let it marinate because it's going to keep growing. And I also think yeah. you need a ton of, uh, ton of positive publicity from all of this. Like, hey, we're not going to – everyone's like, oh, they should be paying 40 50%. You guys got to slow down. <laughs> you guys got to let it. It's. I know that they're 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 very profitable now, but if you start just gouging them right away, they've got to they got to work their budgets around how they're going to start marketing. How they well, got to ease into figuring this shit out. Part of their marketing, you know, they put a lot of money out in marketing, and so you know the the money that the UFC puts out in marketing is incredible. Yes, but that's why people look at the UFC the way they do. It's because yep. of the marketing that the UFC puts out. No one else, like the PFL, Bellator, they can't put out the marketing that's even close to what the UFC puts out, and that's why the UFC is what it is. And so, you know, because they're telling people, we're the best, we're this, we're that. And when people hear stuff, you know, they go with it, and that's, uh, you know, something. But I look at, hey, bump it up, 20%. You know, maybe two years down yeah. the road, 22. And just get it to somewhere around, you know, eventually 30, I'm happy. I won't say a word. Yeah. I will not. The fighters are making good money, but it should be that a fighter coming in can make a livable wage. They shouldn't yeah. be having to have a job on the side. Uh, look, but John, what you just talked about is very true in terms of the marketing. And that's why a lot of fighters want to go there is because they want their face. They think yeah. that because their face is on a poster, they think because their face is on a billboard in you know, and the Vegas strip or whatever it is, that that's, that's going to make a money. That's Sometimes it, it does. Sometimes it does, but it doesn't, it's not going to make you enough for a long duration, you know? And that's the thing. And, and when you go there, you have to think about what is your actual contract? Cause that's like when I, when I moved into my gyms, right. And, 
it's the one the one thing you want to you care about the most is what's your monthly nut and what i mean by that is what's my monthly rent that's the thing i got to that's my continued payment that i have to make every single month that's my expense your cell your your cell service is your monthly as well your electrical can go up and down but it's not always going to be 600 or 500 or whatever it is right sometimes if you don't have the ac on or whatever it is it's going to be down so those are things that you can help adjust but your monthly nut is your rent. Every single time my rent's going to cost me this much. Every single time my phone bill is going to cost me this much. You know, so you package that all together. With the UFC, with fighters in the UFC, you guys have to remember, what am I making? What is my monthly, what is my per fight nut? What am I making? What's the minimum that I'm making if you win or lose, whatever it is? And they're they're using, they're thinking that because, oh, I'm being seen everywhere that I'm making more money. That's not always the case. That's the thing. And like they're packaging that in to being superstars, you know, and, and believing that that's going to make them a lot more money. Now there is a chance that it will make you some money on the side, but let's be honest, MMA sponsors, because they know that the UFC fighters are making, or just fighters in general are making so little when it comes to pay, they know the sponsors are like, well, I don't have to pay you a lot because I already know you're not making a lot of money. So if I just pay you say 1500 or, or 2000 on the side take and you're going to pump me on your social media where you have 500,000 followers, you're going to take it because there's not a lot of people that are willing to spend a ton of money. But the, the thing is, is when you guys start making more money, sponsors will have to start paying you more money. That's where they, the two things go hand in hand. Like if Pat Mahomes is making $555 million in a 10 year contract. That the reason, like all of the sponsors he's talking to now, they're like, oh shit, we got to come to the table with a lot of money because this guy's a fucking star. He's making a ton of money. He doesn't want to waste his time uh, doing an advertisement for us, knowing that he's making this much money to play football. So he can demand more money. Now nah, I'm good. I already got this much money. So if you guys stop and just start, if you guys can start making sure that you're getting paid more money, advertisers will start paying you guys more money. But you guys don't see it that way. You're shooting yourself in the foot. And that, it drives me crazy to see that, man. I've got stories of fighters doing that, like undercutting other fighters to do it for, yeah. for fucking a banner and, a, and some t-shirts. I'm like, what are you doing? It's like, it's no, no, no common sense. Just not, no, no business. No, sense, the, I, no, no, I got free swag. No, you didn't. You're no. paying for it. And they, yeah. they absolutely got one over on you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I don't want to see them jump up to 50% right away. Sure, it'd be nice, but no. in reality, it, it's not just real. Too, you're not being real. No. You know, if you get it up to 20 to 22% in that first take, I think you, it's a reasonable uh, adjustment. You do it for, say, three or four years so they can adjust their marketing accordingly, you know, and take money from here and take money from there to make sure that the, financially that they're budgeting out. I think that's great. And then after that first three years or four years, you readjust and you say, hey, now we want to get up to 27%. You know, or 26, 27, somewhere in there. You get, there's going to take time. And I think people... Nah, it's real simple. I know how yeah. to do it right now. Just take Dana's pay. Give it to the fighters. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is true. I'm kidding, Dana. Yeah. I'm not saying you don't deserve your pay. No, you're not. You're not kidding. <laughs> you're not kidding. Yeah. No, I mean, but Jake Paul brings up good points. His point he is, does. is, you know... um, Dana's making a shit ton of money. You're, you know, there's been cases where Dana's paid, you know, waitresses and dealers, you know, you know, a million dollars, you know, some money is get the fighters not making that. So I understand. I understand where Jake Paul's coming from and I think it's shedding some light on it. So, all right, Dave, what do you got next? We rambled on a little bit there. We did. Speaking of Jake Paul. Oh, Jake Paul. (laughs) Speak of the devil. Speak of the devil. Jake Paul released a hit list 
And there are some interesting names on there, including some interesting MMA names on there. Yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot see. of interesting names there. So he's got Tyron Woodley on his list next. Then he's got, after Tyron Woodley, he's got Canelo. Stop. Just step away <laughs> from the table. You have lost your mind. You, that's not even in a fight that you would want. But are they in any order, though? That's what I want to know. No, I don't Canelo think so. after, They I don't can't think, be in order. I, I don't think they're, they're just, in order. These are names that just came to the top of his head. He's got, and just wrote he's them got down. Canelo, which is Canelo will fuck you up he's and eat a you. sandwich at the same time. Okay? <laughs> Nate and Nick Diaz. Okay. You're not going to be happy with what you get there. But I'd like to uh, see it. As far as their boxing. but I, Okay, so do I. <laughs> I would like yeah, to see either like one of them. I don't care. Because yeah. I love both of them. Kamaru Usman. Okay, I can understand why you want that one because Kamaru is a guy who, like, he's, again, you're always going after smaller guys. It really cracks yeah. me up. You're a guy that walks around at 210 pounds, and you're going around. Let's see, Canelo fights at 154 most of the time, middleweight 160. All right, Nate and Nick, they're they're both 170 guys, actually, but we'll, we can say 185. Uh, Kamaru Usman, 170. Why is he always going after small guys? Then he's got he's got a uh, Tommy Fury. I, that's okay. I would take Tommy Fury. That's Tyson Fury's brother. Hmm. That would be all right. He's been talking a little bit about Conor McGregor again, a one fifty fiver. Yeah, KSI, who your brother fought. Okay, <laughs> Javante Davis, Tank Davis. This is hilarious. A hundred and thirty pound fighter. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> come on, fucking, man! You're killing me. What the hell? And then after that, he's yeah. got his brother Logan Paul with a question mark. Um, yeah. Hey, it's working for him. I'm not going to say anything bad, but uh, most of the guys on that list, do me a favor: start going with people that are of your size. Right. Yeah, just your size. Yeah, I man. would. Uh, so he's going to fight T Wood next, okay? Which is coming up. I think at the end of this month, correct? Two weeks. Yeah, August 29th, yeah, August 27th yeah, or so, something like that? 29th. Yeah, the August 29th. 29th, yeah. So then you have that. Again. Let's just Then I'd like to see him fight either Nate or Nick next. That's I would fine. love that. And then you scoot down and then you watch uh, watch him fight. Uh, is it Tommy or Timmy Fury? Timmy Fury. Timmy Fury. Yeah, so you have Tim him fight Fury. him. The, Gervonta, get him out of there completely. He's 135 oh pounds. He's tiny, man. He's he's. And then I don't I don't even know who the fuck KSI is, and I don't. KSI care. is a yeah. he's a he's like a YouTube personality from England. That's yeah. who his brother fought. Yeah, he can actually fight though. Brother. He can actually. Yeah, fight. that's what I heard. He's he's a little bit of a scrapper. I heard that. Yeah, but I have no I have no desire to watch that no. fight. I no. would love I would love to watch you and your brother fight each other. That would just be fun. I'd like to see how the conversations go at the fucking uh, Thanksgiving uh, table presser? after someone wins. Come on, yeah, the, no, no, at the Thanksgiving. <laughs> I want to see the presser on. Wins. Yeah. I want to see the presser. Do they actually, you know, have a, a love session, or do they actually go after each other? Uh, but I think it'd be hilarious. I remember when you were six and you peed the bed. You know, yeah. <laughs> remember that one time I caught you. Dude, no one knows one this, you, you were peeing off? the bed until you were nine years old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> remember when mom walked in on you jerking off? Remember hilarious. all the boogers that, on the wall? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was fucking great, man. So yeah, Canelo's got to go. Gervonta's got to go. I mean, you know. Oh, if you want to fight Canelo, go right ahead. He's going to eat you up. That'd, watch. That'd be your retirement uh, fight if you were smart. Ooh, yeah. Um, don't, don't care all right, next. Here. What you got uh, next? So next story is um, Stevie Ray, um, Scottish former UFC fighter. Who... Oh, is that why this is up here? That's Scottish. why this is up here. Oh, I got it. I, I got it. Fucking Homer. What a Homer. <laughs> what a Homer. <laughs> 
um, but this was this is quite a, quite a. Um, he didn't deny it, John. Did you hear? He didn't no, deny he did it. not. Um, where Stevie Ray had come out and said that you know he retired from uh, MMA. I think last year, you know, late twenty nineteen. Um, and he just came out and released kind of the details around why he retired. Um, and it wasn't so much that he wanted to retire, more so that he was stressed out and depressed, and then fell into depression because of the situation that occurred with uh. He was basically, his manager told him, hey, we should sign you another promotion, even though he had just re-signed with the UFC. And then kind of, you know, after after a kind of back and forth of like him saying he wants to stick in the UFC, um, it was basically told to him that you got you got to go somewhere else or, or you're going to get cut. And, and, you know, he decided to retire um, yeah. as a result. Um, now he's saying that uh, Bellator is interested in signing him and he does want to come back. So there is that. Yeah, look, okay, so Ali is his manager, and John, we found out that, look, what Ali did, people think it's shady. It's not shady. What he was trying to do was just trying to no, save his fighter's trying, confidence. He's trying not to hurt his fighter. He knows what's yeah. coming. Yeah. He's been told. So then he tries to create a, hey, I think I can get you more money or something like that, yeah. and then that he can't, and so then I think Stevie Ray was somewhere around 40 and 40 on his contract. Yeah, which yeah, is not bad on here, and, then, and so you know it's not bad if you're uh, getting that much for your fights. But you know the UFC, and this is what people need to understand: those contracts. And the UFC, you can have a six, an eight, a ten fight contract with them. They can which is cut you if you sign something longer. Than well, and uh, we're not. We've already gone into that before, but yeah. they can cut you at any time. You are stuck with them as far as if they want to keep you under contract. And you want to leave them, you can't cut them, but they can cut you. You do one fight and you have eight fights left on, nine fights left on your contract, whatever it is, three fights left. They can cut you and say, goodbye, you're done. And you have no recourse. It's part of the contract. So it's not that they owe you money or anything like that for it. So when you're looking at this, you know, they can cut him at any time. They want to cut him. They're going to cut him. His manager knows it. So his manager tries to talk him into, hey, how about if I start looking in a different direction for you? I think I can get you more money. Would you leave the UFC? He's just trying to do it not to hurt his uh, fighter. I mean, I I understand it. I yeah. I, I would rather have honesty, you know, from the manager and, and Ali just saying, "Hey, I'm just telling you right now, they're gonna cut you, so we need to find someplace else." Yeah. And you know, what well, the Ali like? I, obviously. Bit, we've been around the game a long time, and I know how managers work. You know, and uh, <laughs> sometimes there is some shady shit going on. Well, but yeah. The reality is, though, is that I think Ali seems to be one of those guys that he's got a lot of top guys, so it's not like his money is an issue. It really just comes down to he need he doesn't need to like do little backdoor deals uh, behind his his uh, fighters back to get a little bit more money. He's got a lot of top guys that bring in a significant amount of money, so I think he's doing just fine. So when it talks about this situation, he really just, when I'm listening to you say it and after reading it and, and going through it, it just seems like, like you said, he was just trying to protect his fighter's feelings, his confidence, because it's frustrating, you know, like as you're the fighter, you're on the outside, you're not part of those conversations on the phone with Dana White and with whoever else, you know, Nick uh, Maynard and all those guys, like you're not, you're not there. So when, when you're getting it secondhand, you're like, well, you didn't say this. Well, because your manager has a relationship already with them and they speak very, they speak very bluntly to each oh, other. Oh yeah. Stuff you don't want to hear. 
Yeah, they, like that's the thing. They don't sugarcoat this shit, you know. And uh, like I said, Joe Silva had said some things to uh, to Bob Cook when I did when when they try to get me to fight somebody else instead of fighting t- Pettis for the title after they had offered me the fight. And Joe tells him, Joe tells Bob. Well, if he's not going to fight on this card, then he can just fucking sit out for six months. And the conversation went like that. He's like, no, he's like, yeah, you can just fucking sit out for six months. And Bob goes, well, Josh wanted me to tell you that he's okay with sitting out six months because, you know, he's got he financially he's okay and he can he can wait. And then within a week later, you know, they called me and asked me to fight Benson. That was that's kind of that 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 conversation between Bob and, and Joe. It really goes like that. Like, well, he can well, it goes worse just than sit that. out. Yeah, it, it does. Worse it that. does a lot. Yeah, it does a lot. So, but the thing is, like, your your manager is most likely not telling you all the shitty things that they said about you because he doesn't want you to feel like that, yeah. you know. And so it's uh, that's why that's, you have the manager. Called, that's called being a friend, though, too. By the way, so you know, a lot of fighters they they'd fucking break mentally if they realize how much the uh, the promotions and the and the promoters give a shit about you. They give zero fucks about you. They don't care. You either take the fight or you don't. You take the money we give you or you don't. We don't care. And so just it's better that you guys don't hear that shit because it's ruthless, man. It's fucking ruthless. Sambi. Yep. Uh, But I mean, uh, good. If he ends up, you know, if he ends his last, his last fight, he got a win over Michael Johnson. So if he ends up in in Bellator, cool. Like see him fight. He's a good fighter. He's, he's, he's he's a very good fighter. So I hope if, if he wants to come back and fight, because that's really what, you know, uh, the retirement is not about anything with, uh, his health or anything like that and you want to good do it but yeah and he's 31 perfect time you still got, yeah. you still got plenty of time left so time. at least at least five to six more fights left at least minimum all right what else next <laughs> <laughs> last piece of news um is you not ufc related oh as yeah as ufc related actually uh dan hardy um coming <laughs> back is it ufc related because i think he's, he's not back in the ufc, UFC. Oh, okay. What? Like, Ooh, he's gone, gone, man. He's gone, though. Take oh, a sorry, look at all the things that happened with, with my man yeah. Dan Hardy. It's one. It's not one under season. contract in any fashion. Um, so um, Dan Hardy wants to come back against John Wayne Parr, and then, you know, Kerry Florian had come out and just made some nice comments about Dan Hardy being a you know, true martial artist. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Well, he is, is that. Will it be an MMA fight or will it be a kickboxing? No, it'll be a Muay Thai fight. Come on, John Muay Wayne Parr. John Wayne Parr. And... John's not doing that. I love me some John Wayne Parr. That you talk about a great guy. Uh, yeah. You know, and and I think John's look at this. John's one win away from a hundred wins. One Jeez. win. I don't think he's gonna get against Dan Hardy though. Oh yes, he could. He could. John Wayne. Like, John Wayne is a. Dude, he's got so many technical things that he can pull out in a fight. And if you haven't been fighting for as long as Dan is, and this is your first one back, that is, yeah, yeah. John's older, yes, but this is not, in my opinion, John's got the advantage in this one, even with a even with a mechanical hip. Hip, yeah. That's what's, <laughs> we'll see. I mean, uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't really like to like. I like John Wayne Parr. I like him a lot. He actually hit me up just recently, probably like this what Tuesday. We were talking back and forth through text, and um, yeah, I don't know. Like it has it has nothing to do with me not wanting to watch him fight. I just I get I get at, at that age. Like John, I think of like I'm forty two, forty three, somewhere in there, right? And I'm thinking to myself, 
I don't want to get hit anymore. And this guy's fucking still wants to fight, like purposely fight. I'm like, no, <laughs> no way. Quite, no. Part of who he is. Dan he loves it. I want to see him. I, I would like to see Dan come back though and get a, a fight. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. If Dan wants to do it. That's great. But I don't think, in, in all honesty, looking at it, John is still John, even with the hip surgery. He his, he, John boxed. He had a, he had a his last boxing show. You know, he fought a guy that was a, you know a top ranked boxer for a long time in Australia. So they did it. He actually won. Yeah, John's got that. good hands. John has got he's tricky, and Dan has not fought in a long time. Yeah, a long time. Not that Dan's not good, but that's not an easy fight for him. September two thousand twelve. Yeah, two thousand twelve. Yeah. Shit, that was when a the long time. And, uh, strike force ten years, off. close to ten yeah. years. Yeah. Wow. Uh, All right. What else you got there, Dave? That's it for news. That's right. it for news, my man. Done with All news. right. Well, hey. Well, hopefully you guys enjoyed the show. And uh, sorry if I'm a little sluggish today. I couldn't get my words out, man. It's probably because it's four thirty in the damn morning here. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> hopefully you guys enjoyed the show. Also, go to prowrestlingtees.com slash weighing in. Use the promo code and still. And we've got a plethora of shirts for you to pick Look from. At the so. big words coming out of you, yeah. baby. Yeah, yeah. You, you taught me. You taught me a couple of things, you know, over right. the eighty years you've been on this earth. I'm glad that you <laughs> so, freaking finally admitted it. <laughs> pick up some. Uh, pick up one of our shirts. We've got the uh, home improvement one with podcast Dave leaning over the fence. We've got um, the Karate Kid and the Terminator, as well as our logo tees and our original logo tee that actually came out um, a long, long time ago. So check that out as well. So we're going to try to add some new ones here, hopefully in the next uh, couple of weeks and some new designs up there. So guys, keep checking out. Use the promo code and still at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Wayne in. Hit the subscribe button on all platforms, the audio platforms as well, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, of course. So go there as well. Hit the uh, subscribe buttons there and our YouTube channels. Go to our clips, go to our normal channel. And there's a link down below. And hit that Clips channel. So go to our Clips channel and subscribe there as well. We're going to be doing some special stuff there. Now that I won't be traveling for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to start adding a couple little uh, special clips that are going to go on there, as well as our Wayne Interjection. That show is only available on our Clips channel. So if you guys like those short duration uh, clips and funny funny stuff, that Wayne Interjection show is awesome. It's about 8 to 12 minutes. You know, uh, As of now, it's been 8 to 12 minutes. So uh, it won't be any longer than 15 minutes. It's fun if you're just sitting in an airport and want something to watch. It's fun, entertaining, and we have fun with it. So it's a great show. So, um, John, what else you got? I have nothing else to say other than see ya.